Welcome to Advocation Change It Up, a new podcast series hosted by Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the USF College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab. Hello and welcome to Advocation Change It Up, the podcast series of the University of South Florida College of Public Health Activist Lab. I'm Dr. Karen Liller, a professor at the College of Public Health and director of the Activist Lab, and I'm joined by one of our student advisory board members, Angela Macri. So how are you, Angela? I'm fine. Thanks, Dr. Liller. Thank you. Thank you. The Activist Lab at the college prepares our students to be exemplary advocates and leaders in public health. And if you just Google us at USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, you'll see all the educational programs we do. We have boot camps, seminars, we do research on a variety of public health topics, and our advocacy and work to assure students have practice experience in the community at the state and national levels. This podcast involves talking with public health leaders and advocates whose work has led to great improvements in public health. We'll be talking in each podcast with a guest on a particular public health issue, and we end each podcast by asking how we as the community can advocate for change. This will be our fifth and last podcast in our Environmental Health and Climate Change series. We're so excited that we received a civic engagement microgrant from Research America to develop and publish this series. We hope to not only learn from the experts, but also to develop an advocacy plan for the state and even beyond, and we'll be talking more about that in a minute. But before we begin, I have to add, the views expressed reflect those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the University of South Florida. So without further ado, let me introduce again several of our great guests from this podcast series. We have Dr. Amy Stewart, Professor, USF College of Public Health. Dr. Maya Trotz, Professor, USF College of Engineering. And our representatives from the Hillsborough County Environmental Protection Commission, Michelle Jenkins, Sustainability Coordinator, and Kim Tapley, Senior Environmental Manager for the Wetlands Division. So hello, everyone. How are you? Hello. Hi, Dr. Lillard. Hi, Karen. Hi there. So just for the podcast audience, our guests are on the phone, but we're going to coordinate this as much as possible. So this final podcast deals with the development of our environmental health plan for the state of Florida based on what we've learned through these podcasts. And I'd like to read some excerpts now from our ideas and have our guests elaborate more and add additional recommendations. And for the guests, hey, this is part two of our conversation feel free to sit back, get a cup of coffee, relax, add additional information. This is just a conversation. So here we go. Our recommendations are largely going to include, one, engagement with the community is paramount. Two, concerning ourselves with environmental justice and equity will be important throughout the entire plan. Three, we have no time to wait. On Representative Castor's podcast, she talked about the fact that Florida, she feels, is behind in clean energy and climate change solutions. Four, workable solutions exist for all, such as loan programs we talked about. People can get loans to make their houses more energy efficient. There's co-op opportunities and hopefully tax incentives. Five, Training the next generation of scientists, how important it's going to be that we have leaders being trained now to do this work. However, we also need to think about people who are presently working, how they will need retrained and need new skills. 
Six, reaching the public with messages. How do we do this? How do we do this better for environmental health? It might involve a social marketing campaign. And that's why I'm so glad we have Angela with us today because that's her area of study for her doctoral program. And seven, we need to monitor our success with evaluation and measures of sustainability. So I'm going to go one by one with the guests and ask them if they want to elaborate more on any of those topics for our plan and how their agency or their researcher work will be involved with contributing to overall success. And if they'd like to add a new component, maybe as well. So I'm going to start with Dr. Stewart. What do you think, Dr. Stewart? Hi, I think it's a great plan. Um, I guess I would say that I um, am really very interested in uh, many of these things. Um, much of my work is on air pollution, and I look at um, air pollution, uh, particularly how urban design and transportation affect air pollution exposures and the uh, equity of exposures. And so a lot of the work that I do is really about thinking about um, inequality and exposures to air pollution. And so um, th that involves doing monitoring campaigns and doing um, modeling studies. And right now I'm talking with the Environmental Protection Commission actually about um, doing some uh, doing some campaigns that involve using some low cost sensors to get a better idea of uh, exposures that are happening in low income um, communities. So that's one way, one direction that I'm heading to try to um, move that, the, that part of the planet along. That's great. All right. Fantastic. So we have to keep air pollution. We have to think about modeling. So those are some things that we'll also try to include, which is really important. And of course, the maintenance of equity, you know, throughout everything that we do. Um, thank you. How about Dr. Trotz? And I know that Dr. Stewart and Dr. Trotz asked me to call them by their first name. So we Amy for Amy Stewart and Maya uh, for Dr. Trotz. Thank you, um, Karen and Angela, um, for the great introduction. And I would agree with what Amy said. A lot of our work at USF has been uh, forging interdisciplinary partnerships and also fostering partnership with local community. And so your first point on engagement with community, I could not agree more. In particular, I work a lot with East Tampa, which is one of the largest African-American communities in, in, in the Tampa area. And, um, you know, it's an env environmental justice area, according to the EPA environmental justice screen. And there are lots of challenges there, but also just lots of a wealth of information and a wealth of knowledge and innovative ideas. Um, many times, you know, communities of color have not been part of decision-making processes. They are very much absent from our classrooms and faculty mm -hmm. lines. And so really thinking, rethinking of how we work so that our research and our innovation is actually grounded in those spaces, I think will only make our cities much richer. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I think we are having those discussions a lot more now. I think public health has done a significantly better job at this in placing health centers and so on in places like like East Tampa and engineering has not done so as yet, uh, but we do hope to do so going forward. At least I do. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the vision right now to place innovation hubs in our local communities mm -hmm. and the ones surrounding our campus are 
communities of color for the most part, or majority communities of color. So I would just say points one and two um, really, really hit it off for me, and I'm so glad to see these issues of community and environmental justice and equity listed right up there. Yeah, and my we're so happy it is. You know, I was just telling Angela before the podcast when I've had the uh, you and and also Dr. Cunningham on the previous podcast. Um, I was so happy to include that information because you all said that yes, we need to do community engagement. We need to be thinking about structural issues. We need to be thinking about human infrastructure and all of these sorts of things, which is is so important in public health. So it was fantastic to see engineering also talking that same language as well. All right, from our Environmental Protection Commission, uh, Michelle. Hi, Dr. Weller. Such an honor to be here with Dr. Trotz and Dr. Stewart and um, they're doing such great work and, um, you know, we're really thrilled to, to be a part of this. Um, as far as, you know, your plan, I think it's great. It incorporates a lot of the things that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And I know um, all your other guests uh, mentioned as part of their podcast. Um, you know, I know we focused a lot on education and engaging the community. And, and again, I think that that critical that that you know you're number one I think it's important for us to make sure that we do that in a way that um, you know the engagement and the education that we're doing is really accessible to all and um, really be able to relate that information uh, to you know our audience and also to not just inform them, but mm-hmm. to get their input, ask right. them what they want to see, what, what is valuable to them and where they live and, and, you know, what applies in their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to um, mention like that in addition to you know, your point on number two, which is environmental justice and equity throughout the plan mm-hmm. and then workable solutions yeah. for co-ops and things like that. I think that, um, you know, some of the incentives that are out there aren't. So for example, the, the solar co-op that right. is uh, going on, there's a federal tax credit of 26%, mm-hmm. but for some of those that really need it the most, those that are on, you know, uh, low incomes mm-hmm. or maybe retired or nonprofit, they're not able to take advantage of that. And because some of these things are so expensive on the front end, you know, they pay off on the, on the long term, right. but on the front, you have to be able to make that investment mm-hmm. and attract tax credit is very beneficial, but you have to be able to collect that. You have to be able to, you know, that has to be a benefit to you. Mm -hmm. And so for those that need it the most, it's not. So I I think that we need to kind of reevaluate some Mm -hmm. of those things Mm -hmm. and and just ensure that, you know, what we're offering is available to all. And and really we should be focusing on those that need it the most. Right. Um, Right. So that's one area I'd like to see us have more focus on uh-huh. um, and that's you know kind of a combination of some of the things that you talked about right and there's a some great information on this in the uh, federal climate plan that representative Castor put together she talks a lot about that she talks a lot about credits but she also talks about other opportunities like you're saying as well so people that don't have this money up front obviously are still able you know to uh, 
you know, for, or it's, are still able to be part of the solutions. So, yeah, I agree 100%. And we'll certainly add that as well uh, when we talk about tax credits. And, and it's important that they are accessible. So thank you. How about Kim? Yes, I, I really love this environmental health plan. There are so many great components to it. For me, uh, I think that the, the citizen engagement is very important. Mm-hmm. It really helps shape the management efforts of both public and private entities. You know, we had talked at our podcast previously, but the population in Florida is growing very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's estimated in the next 50 years, our state could have 36 million people. Mm-hmm. You know, just perspective Gosh. for the listeners, Australia has 25 million people right now. So we could theoretically have a higher Jeez. population in Florida. Yes. Then Australia. Yeah. Right. So uh, there was a report that came out, A Thousand Friends of Florida, that they said that they estimate about 7 million acres of land Mm -hmm. could be converted from rural and natural to urban uses. So with so many of these people moving into the state, this could be paradise and peril if we don't take care of our environment. And, and I have to tell you, Kim, um, Representative Castor talked a lot about that. You know, she, she did mention that. And she said, you know, look at Florida. We're so attractive to people, right, to the, that want to come to our state. You know, the climate, the beauty. She said, you know, we're very blessed. But she said, at the same time, we have to be able to take care of these issues. And she really wants to advance this further, you know, a lot of these environmental issues. And obviously... Um, if you listen to uh, President Biden, uh, he too, environment is very important on his agenda as well. You know, we did ask her about what are the chances of some of these changes, and she was very optimistic, you know, about some of these changes going forth at the federal level. But as you know, so much does involve the state, and so much involves the local area, right, as we're talking about too. This important community right. engagement, even even if exactly. things are done, yeah, even if things are done federally, right? So, right. That's why I'm thrilled that uh, community engagement is one of your top um, aspects of this plan. I think that's phenomenal. Yeah, and and thank you. Well, that was a theme. I have to tell you, while we felt it was important, we we were just really going through the podcast and trying to write a document that reflected what the experts were saying. And we consider all of you experts, of course. And it was community engagement just kept coming up over and over and over. So so it was quite good that it fit in with what we were what we were thinking as well. Um, So these are all great, great thoughts. And so now I'm going to turn it over to Angela. So what do you think, Angela, about all this? And I am going to ask you about social marketing. Uh, I think um, <laughs> I think there's a theme coming through, as has been rightly um, acknowledged already, which is the core component of social marketing is about the community engagement, because social marketing is about voluntary behaviour change, and that involves the understanding from the community of what they need to change and they won't have to do it voluntarily. So the exchange is stop doing what you're doing and do this for the better of the community and for yourself. And everyone has touched upon ways that this can be done and some are more appropriate than others, such as the tax credits are great, but if you can't reach that threshold, then that is not an option. And going to the community and finding what the options are for where they are, I think is crucial to help with planning and to help with lawmaking, 
to help with accounting, to help with unions in the workforce. So it, it really does touch on understanding the community because they all live and work in an environment they want to sustain. And then that trickles up to how this can be done on a state and a local level, which means you have to touch upon the legal aspect, the accounting aspect, the unions if they work in certain um, industries, uh, policies that have to be created. So. So from what I have heard that there's a lot of talking with the community and I think what's important to also remember is that they also have to get the feedback that what they're talking about and what they would like is actually being addressed. Even if it's not successfully, I think they need the feedback that yes, where your involvement is important and here we are at this point and these are the obstacles, can you help us solve them? So getting their feedback and getting their awareness is one thing, but they need to be part of the process. Not that it's not being done, uh, but it's, it's, it's that continual sustainable involvement that they need to have because at some point they'll get older their children will come through so what we're trying to to create i think in social marketing is sustainability of the behavior which will then become uh, amplified in the communities that this behavior occurs in and we can also find examples of this engagement in the community having productive uh, results and that's what's called positive deviancy so these people with the mm -hmm. resources the community has are working towards a more sustainable environment so we can highlight those uh, people in the community that are already doing it, which means, well, right. if they can do it with the resources that my next door neighbour has, then that's amplify that in the community that's engaged in. So, uh, so much work has already been done that has a social marketing influence to it. It's a, a case of just um, doing it. I mean, again, I am not involved in the in the deep trenches, but you're on the way to doing it more in a way that's going to actually count and be sustainable because if the community is engaged in the solution then there's a better chance of it being sustained and I think everyone uh, on this podcast has realised this is the key to making change is the, the long-term involvement from the community who will actually both impact both positively and negatively if they don't act on the environmental change that's occurring. So I'm, I think there's, uh, there's a lot of room for social marketing. I think the, the approach to having community first because they're the voices that and, and ultimately they're the ones that are going to make it work or not. You can have the best solar panels, but if no one actually right. uses them, then right. they're a great tool that mm -hmm. hasn't amplified. So right. it's I think the focus on community and, um, and environmental justice is are the two key things that will make everything else work. Yeah. For the uh, listeners, um, Angela, could you do, now this is going to be hard, but could you do just like a really short definition of social marketing, first of all, mm. and how is it different from social media? Oh. Because as you know, mm -hmm. sometimes they get mixed up. So yeah, for yeah. the folks to know what, what we're talking about. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, social marketing has been around for 50 years and uh, social marketing is basically taking the core principles of commercial marketing, but uh, changing behavior on a voluntary basis, which means uh, uh, basically changing the behavior for the community good. And that has been, social marketing has been used a lot for smoking cessation, has been used a lot in environment, in recycling, has been used a lot for changing various public health issues. And what it does is it takes, it, it, it uses 
audience insights and segments the population based on priority because you can't appeal to everyone at the same time and you see where the needs are most uh, are most uh, significant and you target that population first and foremost rather than try and amplify the, and reach all people. And then you look at the behaviours that are creating the, the barrier to change, and this could be recycling, I'll just use a very mm-hmm. easy example, mm-hmm. and is it uh, a behaviour issue or is it a structural issue? Uh, is it a combination of both? Is it a cultural issue? And you try and delve down and see you know, we've always done it like this or the recycle bin is too far away Oh, garbage bin. Sorry, that's it's, an Australian. It's interesting you mentioned recycling. Yeah. We talked about that at length and yeah. the uh, uh, with Michelle and Kim because uh, a lot of people, a lot of problem with recycling right now is mm. is maybe you know behaviors of individuals, but but a lot of people don't think it's being done anymore. Yeah, and so that's a whole issue in messaging that I don't know where that started, but you know, like just people in my neighborhood, for example, I was saying on the other podcast, they said, "Oh, why why do you still put out your recycling bin?" And I said, well, because I'm recycling. And they go, oh, no, they don't do it. Don't you know that that's a failed that that's a failed process. It all goes to one place, you know, and I'm like, oh, so that's why we talk. But I actually found out it is still going on. Yeah. And, and yeah. then the, the, the way you would answer that is show proof that it is being, you know, yeah. through and through various media communication outlets. So that's yeah. their barrier. Therefore, you, you show them that the social proof, as we would say, uh, that this does exist. And the difference between social marketing and social media uh, once is basically social media is a tool uh, mm-hmm. is a, communi- a communication channel rather than a strategy where social marketing is a framework that a strategy sits in. That would be the right. most uh, basic ex- um, definition. Right. And and also some people that don't really know, the social marketing is really a whole science. And it's so interesting. Uh, some people confuse it. They say, oh, that's where they do focus groups. Well, again, that is a method <laughs> where you can get information, but actually there's a whole science behind it. So it's a very, very interesting, and I think really has worked quite well with people because I think of so much of the involvement. But I wanna ask, ask everybody now, I, I thought of this question now, um, when it comes to working with communities, one of the things we sometimes struggle with in public health is trust. As we go into communities and try to get this uh, cooperation and this participation, sometimes we get some pushback. Because, you know, as researchers and as academicians, I'll just talk about it from the academy, um, we have, I mean, not necessarily us in the College of Public Health, but in general, researchers have gone into areas and tried to make differences. And it's been pretty top down for a, a lot of the cases. And then when it's done, it's done, they leave. And there you go. And it Without the researcher, without the continued funding, it all falls apart. So that's why we try to change norms. That's why we try to, I think, I've been behind a lot of policies and laws in public health. But but how do you build that trust? Because right now, I think it has never been more evident than we've seen with COVID-19, right? We've seen how these trust issues can definitely be barriers. So what do you all think about that? And, and I'm just going to start with Amy again. What do you think, Amy? Trust in communities. Well, I would agree with what you said, which is that it has to do with long-term relationships that yeah. have where there's, where there's back and forth. Yeah. So, um, actually, Maya is really the person to talk to about this. Okay. She's very good at it. <laughs> um, but um, I think, you know, as you mentioned, one of the big problems with the 
academia uh, and being involved with working communities is we tend to have projects that are short term. There's a short term funding right. cycle, right. right? And and so then when that's done, we are done. And if that happens, the community is going to lose track. You know, they're not going to trust us, and we are there for them. And um, so it's so first of all, it takes a long time to build relationships, any type mm-hmm. of relationship. Mm-hmm. And and so the relationship with community, I think, takes a long time as well. Right. And there has to be. Um, we have to be giving back. We have to show respect. We have to be, um, you know, real, you know, making it clear that we're not just trying to change them, right? You know, that, that right. you know, like, exactly. one concern, the one concern I have with the discussion of social marketing is this idea of sort of on the outset saying, okay, well, we're trying to change behavior. To some degree, that is a, a one way or can sound like a one way right. process. Yeah. So, um, you know, sort of the question of, okay, well, what expertise and uh, does the community have to offer and, and to share and what yeah. they want to do? For the behavior. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so having that back and forth process and then also um, this aspect of it has to, what is done has to clearly benefit the community and has to be given back to the community in some way and, and not end. And I think that's very difficult in, in the way that research is funded currently, but we think the people that are successful at it uh, figure out ways to have long-term relationships and, and maintain that relationship for a, a long time. Yeah. And I think you should talk to Maya because <laughs> she, she does this very well. <laughs> All right, Maya. You've been recommended to talk about this issue. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Amy. And I, I think it's, just, it's, it's it's a continuing process of learning um, and how to partner with communities. And I could speak from my experience in East Tampa. It was really spurred by uh, graduate students who worked with me, um, mm-hmm. who were placed in the elementary school through an NSF grant uh, mm-hmm. and and was able to establish a relationship with teachers there uh, and brought this issue of stormwater ponds being beautified. And mm-hmm. I was also in very interested in working and partnering with an African-American community. Um, and a lot of this comes down to personal relationships and leadership. And we were going through at the time of the university an establishment of our Office of Community Engagement, which was spurred by the mayor at the time, Pam Iorio, and the U.S. president, mm-hmm. did again, Chef, along with Evangelist Evangeline Beth, who was chairing the East Tampa Community Revitalization Partnership. So there was some top-down that brought groups together and said, university, do this work, right? And we looked at community-based participatory research yes. approaches, um, and I think... I, I do think um, having black faculty and students who mm-hmm. look like the majority of the community helps. Um, yes. It's definitely not the only reason that this was successful. I do think that gives you some um, some in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and then just being then able to to sort of coalesce around you know project that everyone can see benefit yes. out of. Um, I do think, you know, leadership changes, lots of things changes, teachers in that community, there's lots of overturn, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. you work with teachers and think that you're really looking at some long-term partnership and the next year the teachers you work with are gone. You don't see that in other communities, right? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I do think everything is a process. And, mm-hmm. and in particular now where community is sort of, you know, we want housing as an issue. Criminal justice has always been an issue. Mm-hmm. And many times you think that I just do stormwater. And so those things are outside of our purview. And right now, NSF funding, I, I speak a lot about NSF because that's where I apply right. to most of the time. And, and for the reasons that's the National of, Science Foundation. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yes, and, and they're speaking a lot about convergence research, which which mm-hmm. is really about bringing groups together to, you know, unpack each other's discipline and solve some big societal challenge. Right. And they're providing the money, I think, to um, to to allow people to explore that with communities so that you're not coming in already having your research plan out there, but you're coming in and saying, oh, criminal justice. Okay. Um, How does that integrate Mm -hmm. with the positioning of green infrastructure or something? And who else needs to be at this table to help answer those questions? So I think we've come a long way and it's, it's pretty exciting. And we're seeing, hopefully we're going to see more funding that allows community members to to really participate as, uh, on an equal footing with our researchers because many times our grants don't permit a lot of funding for community participation you know that's right um, that's right in any any meaningful way mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. um, and I wanted to loop back to one of the points that you had in your list a bullet list on the environmental health plan Mm -hmm. and that was on accountability and the question is you know are we as a university going to shift so that we start being accountable to our stakeholders who fund us and and it's the U.S. taxpayer who's funding NSF or the National Institute of Health all of these grants Mm -hmm. and so if we say that outcomes are going to you know what are the meaningful outcomes to community and are we really do we have a dashboard to show that, you know, yeah. that we are creating jobs, yeah. we are improving health. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think moving to that kind of accountability would be great. And I think it would also create these more long-term relationships because, right, for that to change, you need time. You need some time. You can't be done quickly, right? So it might encourage this concept of sustainability and partnerships and all of this. Yeah, and I think it's so exciting on those grants. You know, we're we're seeing it too. Obviously, more involvement with community, community engagement. But it's great that engineering can work with public health, and we can bring all our skills and expertise. You know, no one's out there trying to do it alone. Um, so I think that's that's really good. And so, okay, how about Michelle and Kim? And I, you guys with the Environmental Protection Commission, so you work with so many communities and so many groups. What about this trust issue? I think trust is immensely important in what we do at the Environmental Protection Commission. And I found that it comes with a continuous communication. Whatever community you're involved with, just to continuously be there for them. Mm-hmm. It's a reciprocal relationship, I think. You know, they may need something from us, information or data, and then we need something for them, their mm-hmm. participation in our community engagement. Uh, I think also it's important that you alter your message to fit the community's right. priorities. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example. At EPC, we are very strong supporters of the Great American Mm Teach-In. And for years and years, I would go to schools and do a just normal speech about science and wetlands and Mm -hmm. how wetlands are so important for the environment. 
they're the kidneys for the landscape. And then I started to go to the lower income uh, schools and I would start giving that speech and the teacher would be like, oh, that, that's all well and good, but could you explain more about how we can get a job in this field, oh, how we can become yeah. scientists? Mm-hmm. So that changed my perspective and now I try and uh, engage the students mm-hmm. uh, to have more information about how to become a scientist, how to get a that's career great. in yeah. the STEM field. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it, those two main components, that continuous communication and then altering your message to what yeah. the community priorities are right. is fundamentally important. And that's so important coming from where the community is, right? So that's what you essentially right. were doing there when you shifted you know, to yeah. when you shifted your message. Michelle? Yeah, so, um, gosh, Dr. Trotz and Dr. Stewart and Kim really covered um, a lot of it. But uh, just to add a couple of points, I mean, I, I, you know, again, it's so critical to establish those relationships and have accountability. I mean, we are public servants, and I, I think we always need to have that at the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're all in this together. And um, while I think it's, you know, critically important that we use science and um, data-driven information to make our decisions, I think we also need to listen. We need to be open-minded. And I think when you bring in partners um, on projects, you kind of get that different perspective that maybe you didn't think about to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one of the things, you know, for Hillsborough County, they're developing these sustainability action plans. And um, as Dr. Stewart had mentioned earlier, one of the pilot projects um, that, um, you know, we're working towards is her project to, to do some monitoring along some under underserved um, areas for air pollution. Mm-hmm. And so I, there's, there's like several partners that are in that and there's many different components that are looking at things from different angles. And I think that's critically important because sometimes we, we just, we end up getting into like the single mindset where we're just, focusing on solving a solution based on the information that we have or knowledge that we have. Right. But when we bring everyone together, mm-hmm. listen and ask and, and get that input, then I think we can really develop, a, you know, solutions that are best for all. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what we have to strive for. Right. So everybody coming to the table, like I said, all the different skills, all the different expertise. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really really important. So I had a, a question for everyone too. If you could wave a magic wand again and have your way, what would absolutely a hundred percent need to be included in this plan? But I think we've we've sort of addressed that, right? Because I think everyone has said community, everyone said engagement, everyone said environmental justice and equity, along with all the solutions throughout the podcast that we've talked about, which has been the solar, the electric vehicles, you know, all the things that are coming coming down the pike. So, Angela, I wanted you to uh, address another question. But first of all, I want to go back to what uh, Dr. Stewart, Amy, was saying about social marketing not imposing itself on individuals. I don't want the listeners to, to leave with thinking that that's what it's about, you know, that it's making people change behavior. So could you clarify that a bit? Uh, thank you, I will. It's, uh, and it's basically what has been discussed. It's about understanding their behaviors right. that will influence their resistance to changing 
and I'm using again recycling as, a, as an example. Sure. And is their behaviour based on uh, a lack of knowledge? Is it the family influence? Is it a cultural influence? Uh, so when you understand why that behaviour exists, uh, you can understand how to help them change that behaviour voluntarily. Now, if right. they don't want to, then that's fine. But mm-hmm. if it is an issue of, again, that recycling, it doesn't go it all goes into the one bin mm-hmm. anyway. Right. So then it might be a simple case of in, you know, un- getting them to show them that, no, this is not the case. Mm-hmm. If it's more of a cultural issue, well, my, none of us at home do it, then it's a, it goes beyond that individual and it's the, it's the unit, uh-huh. the family unit that needs to be looked at. Right. So it's, and if it's a cultural issue that um, we don't do it, because we've never done it, none of we, it, and it's right. then it, that that has to be addressed in a different way, in a different way, and and so it's it's understanding the the reason the behaviour exists, right, and therefore trying to 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 change that behaviour through voluntary engagement, which could be information, mm. which yeah. could be um, different understandings. It just understanding why that behaviour exists, and and how it negatively impacts on the outcome, which is. Mm-hmm getting people to recycle and I'm using again recycle as an example <laughs> right um, so it's not about it's not a one way it's understanding why that behavior exists the validity that person places on that behavior right. is crucial and and some people never change and you don't do That's true. You, and, and therefore that you don't waste and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that facetiously, but we all have X amount of money to spend on these right. uh, initiatives and we want to spend it where it's going to provide the most use and if 10 people change their behaviour, then it could influence another 10 and so on and mm-hmm, so forth. But mm-hmm. with a limited budget, you basically yeah, you have, have to, to know where to focus. Right. And social marketing helps you understand where to focus and whose behaviour is most likely to change for the better uh, by understanding the audience more. Right. And so much of that you take into your campaigns, right? That's when you learn. See, basically it's about learning about these barriers and that and then trying to incorporate uh, information into the campaign that will actually address those particular behaviors. That's good. Similar to what was done with the teaching where you go to a different community, their needs are very different. So what you, you know, what was being taught in one school wasn't relevant in another. And that's very similar to what you would do in social marketing. Right. Okay, great. Thank you. So Angela. We'll keep talking to you for a minute. So you're a student. And uh, as I've said on many of these podcasts, uh, young individuals have been the drivers of so much public health advocacy and change recently. We've seen this with structural racism, gun violence, and more. So environmental health, all the students we've had so far on the podcast have said, yes, students are behind this 100%. We're going to be the next generation. We're going to be the change agents. But now we have some ideas for a plan. So with your background, um, how would this plan become more of a reality if it were backed by students? And not just students, just younger individuals in general. And do you think their backing would make it even better? I'll start with the last question first. Yes, I think it would make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way to get their input is to have them engaged, as we've said, at the table. You know, don't tell them this is our plan, what do you think? Uh, help us create a plan. And and I think that uh, the more involved the students are, because they also 
are very passionate and that passion is mm-hmm. what carries them through. Mm-hmm. And yet the sustainability element is what's, you know, the other elements of the table can bring. Right. So that passion with science and with um, with structure can be quite a potent uh, mix of, for an outcome. And I think to the example of, of there's so many students uh, have groups on campus right. that are pro. Already. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and so they, they love the passion, they have some information, but then, you know, you have people who have been around long enough to know that this is a great path and let me help you by giving you some structure because passion with structure I think can go a long way to being sustainable. Passion does tend to fizzle out in general because you see things don't change at a pace you would like Uh, and Mm -hmm. so therefore a structure to help people understand that this passion has to have a long you know, is a long tail thing. It's like you've got to look beyond the immediate two, three, five months to years is something that, you know, to sustain that passion, they need to know that there's steps along the way rather than just give up very quickly if they feel that what they're doing isn't heard or they don't see the results in the time frame that they feel is just not understanding the bigger picture. Right. And that's what we're trying to do in the activist lab, right? We're trying to build this plan with the student involvement right away. And I think you sort of answered the first part of that question. That's how we make the plan a reality because, you know, it will be uh, their generation. It will be their reality, you know, as, as all of us get older, right? It's that next generation that's coming up. And that's where I also really love the bullet point about the um, education, that we've heard a lot about here too. We need to keep doing that. And in the full plan, which everyone on the phone call you, you um, and everyone on the podcast, you'll see, we really go into that in terms of having more programs in universities, more centers, more institutes, more ways for people to get this knowledge, right? So that they can carry it forward. I would go back and, and do it in the schools. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But that's the formative years. And so right. by the time they get to the universities, they've already gone through understanding the impact. So, yeah. So yeah. once they become activists and you don't have to be over 18, you can do it at 12. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. They're more, they're coming with a, a, a deep belief that's just been set rather than um, All of a starting. Sudden. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 I, and I think that's important to remember too. And, and that's why exciting that uh, Michelle, Kim, they're doing the Great American Teaching you know, that's why we're participating. As you know, the Activist Lab is going to try to get more involved with schools. Mm. Uh, That's one of the things because we want to get a lot of messages there. So does anyone have any other comments on the plan or environmental health? Any of our guests? Karen, this is Amy. Um, Yeah, I uh, actually had had some thoughts for your question that we skipped over, so I wanted to share them. Of course. Um, you know, you said, well, what needs to be in the plan? And so I was sort of thinking about um, some specificity on some of the points. Uh, and so I, I guess I would say, um, with the caveat that, of course, we need to ensure that we're doing things that the communities want. I guess if I had waved my magic wand, I think that some of the things that are really needed are um, investment in alternative transportation infrastructure, particularly mm-hmm. in areas that are socioeconomically disadvantaged neighborhoods, and, and right. particularly things like walking and biking infrastructure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that involves that involves greenery. Um, and a lot of times, that type of infrastructure is sort of an afterthought from our road-centric yes. culture, and um, and particularly in, in more um, disadvantaged communities. So, having investing in that type of um, infrastructure, I think, is really important, as well as you know, pushing towards transit. And right now, there's this um, a lot of 
uh, talk about EV infrastructure, so investing right. in this alternative transportation structure. Uh, and the other is, I guess I think there's a real need for information for the people, so ways to support community measurement, people being able to mm-hmm. measure uh, at their own environment. Right, um, And so right. support, support with money, supporting that with data and data exchange and expertise sharing. And, and you know, Michelle mentioned that this is beginning to happen, but I think that, that this is really important with so this information for the people and that exchange between, of expertise between community members mm-hmm. and even and university. Yeah. Um, you know, was mentioned that, you know, the population is uh, increasing and so there, that's a challenge. But on the other hand, that's also, um, you know, could be quite, could be something that we can use to build infrastructure that isn't sustainable, build, make better designs. If we're going to be building anyway, right, we might right. as well, well, how can we build better? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's, Absolutely. But um, I had my point had been sort of we need to do more infrastructure renewal. There's a lot of failing infrastructure yes. uh, in communities, particularly underserved communities. So there need to be there needs to be more money uh, put into uh, ways in which it's for people to improve their homes and community infrastructure. Exactly. exactly. So, and then. Um, we already talked about community involvement from inception of any any type of plan. Right. So I won't talk about that again. But one thing that may, maybe a little bit more specificity is sort of clear measures of equity when we're talking about accounting. When we're talking about um, or, you know in, in the plan, you have you know monitoring our success. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maya mentioned this as well, but I, right. I want to just point it. Yeah. You know, really make sure that we are measuring who is benefiting. Right. And what is yes. equity? And, and, and what the, is equity? And did we achieve it? Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that that um, in the past, a lot of times, measures uh, of equity have been very, um, I would say, not very specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in so I think we need to really kind of think about developing those measures and really um, showing those measures when we do evaluation. Yeah. For any, any and, investment. And I really love that. Because, so anyway, that, that was yeah. my thing. <laughs> yes. And giving back to and showing the community. How many times have we done projects in communities where we get the data from them, we gather the data, and then we go back to the university and we do the analyses, do the data now, never go back. So how do they know? You know, I mean, and then we publish it in some journals and we get promoted and all those wonderful things. But what did we ever change? You know, go back to the community. Did they ever get that information? I think that's a, a that's a wonderful point. Um, thank you. Any anybody else? Go back to our magic wand. I would just say uh, a fundamental thing that I think of every time I go to work, anytime I do anything here as even a citizen in Hillsborough County, is a famous and it's we do not inherit the earth from our ancestors; we borrow it from our children. And I think having a fundamental messaging like that, that that is our value Mm -hmm. and put that in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's so critical. And that's why I'm glad we talked about social marketing, why we talked about messaging, right? Because a lot of this will be the message. It'll be the way we communicate is what happens. I mean, we can have as many incentives and do as things as we want, but we have to communicate this message. Right. If not, we perpetuate the problem. We may be able to do some top down solutions, but what does that get us? That just gets us into more trouble down the road with communities. Yeah, that's a great quote. 
Anyone else? No, well, I think we have so much information now. We can make this plan even better. We're going to be uh, putting it together. We're going to be adding to it, working on it, sending it to Research America, and certainly it'll be posted on the Activist Lab website. So listen, well, on behalf of the USF College of Public Health Activist Lab, our wonderful guests, Drs. Amy Stewart, Dr. Maya Trotz, Michelle Jenkins, and Kim Tapley, and our student co-host, Angela, we thank you for joining us. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Email us at COPHActivistLab at usf.edu. So until next time, hey, this is Dr. Karen Liller. Remember, find your voice. Let's change it up for the better. Keep listening and join Advocation Change It Up. Tell your friends and family we're on all media, Apple, Spotify, and more. So thanks again. And hey, when it's safe to be out and about, come see us in the Activist Lab.